Greetings, travelers. Greetings, travelers. It is Mark and Erica from Mythical March. What's that one? Mythical March? Mythical March. It was not my best. I'm in Florida. I'm Florida right now. Oh, yeah, you're Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say the weather's pretty nice considering, but yes. So we're recording. No falling iguanas, but it's been nice and cool temperatures, which we all know for Florida is not a thing normally. So, well, except as long as the mosquitoes are all dead and in hell or where they belong, we're all good. Yes, yes, I believe that's exactly where they. No, they all found me. I made a joke that the moment I arrived in the state, all the mosquitoes were like, "Hey, hey, she's back." I've had to put bug spray on every single day. Ring so, is in the air. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. craziness. Yep. So no, we're we... starting our mythical march, but don't we have some um some breaking news? Breaking news. Hey. So yeah, do, do, do you want to go over this or do you want me to? Because this is pretty epic. I want you to go over it mainly because you sent me the story this morning and I was like, what the heck? All right. So as reported in Newsweek. Mystery disc-shaped UFO spotted by recon drone in the Ukraine. Wow. Ukrainian soldiers believe they spotted a a disc-shaped UFO using reconnaissance drone. And uh, they started, the video started circulating on uh, social media, primarily X and uh, Telegram and stuff like that. And uh, this one user, Alba Fella, pretty much frequently posts updates on Ukraine and his quote was, Ukrainian defenders filmed an unidentified disc-shaped object in the combat zone. And this thing, the video is pretty cool. They've had their army of drones for forever, right? Ukraine, that's the only thing that's keeping them alive at some point, you know, during this whole uh, invasion from Russia. And uh, Kiev's... Which is terrible. And we just yeah, want to say, like, and, we're yeah, reporting on a little thing, but they're... I mean, there is horrific yeah. things still happening over in the Ukraine. Yeah, and it's still to this day going on and all that. And uh, uh, d- despite on what you feel about it, this is a news piece that came out. Now, originally it came from the Daily Mail, which is, yeah, as we know, is like two steps above the National Enquirer. But now that Newsweek and a bunch of other people have picked up on it, it's pretty epic. And it was captured by one of those uh, heat vision quadcopters. And basically the the vehicle they spot was flying like 500 feet above sea level. And it's about 30 miles away from the camera, but it's huge. And you can hear them talking. And one of them's like, uh, why isn't he firing missiles at us? And the air soldier's like, what do you mean? And then he goes, you holy bleep, yo, what is this? Why isn't it moving? And one guy's like, I'm telling you, it's it's a UFO. It's staying in one place. One guy's like, zoom in. It's it's standing still. And wow. And then one other guy's like, maybe we should ram it with the oh, oh, of course. That's that sounds like a yeah. good plan. That's always now, worked out well for us. The big thing with this is there have been numerous UFO sightings in uh this this war, as there are in every war, um, that we don't know what they are. Most of them have been like a small objects, like the size of a ball. It reminds me of the old Foo Fighter stories from World War II. And of course, the, the comment from the military on this is, I would urge everyone to remain calm. 
to ensure security and uh, the sky is covered with uh, anti-aircraft defenses. So. Uh, this thing was 500 feet above yeah. sea level. Yeah. I, uh, I would, I would yeah. have thought your anti-aircraft defenses may have kicked in by the time this thing arrived. But yeah. we'll I put think... the link in the notes and you can look at the video and you can listen to the, the rush, you know, the Ukrainian, uh, document you know what they're saying real time so it's pretty crazy yeah and it's i think we're i'm telling you we've said it for a while now mark i think we're really close to it coming out more and proper I disclosure mean, yeah yeah what yeah we've been saying about the whole uh all the government quote air quote there with my fingers on our audio podcast the uh hearings we've had where they're yeah. saying things but not saying things they're confirming things but not confirming things it's ridiculous it's it's theater and they're doing this because i think something big is coming in the next half year year and then they can say well we tried to have you know things on this but you guys weren't paying attention and yeah. that's what this is all gonna be agreed agreed I'd because this is the same stuff they did on AI. This is the same stuff they've done on all these other technologies. And they've been doing this for centuries. And that's that's a, they're just playing the same game. Yeah, well, it's a way to do it without having to admit the fact that they didn't do it before, right? Yep. Ah, um, but enough of that. So, but enough of that. We want to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart. Mythical. Which are yes. mythical mythic things, but mythical horses yeah unicorns pegasi let's talk mythical horses this is i mean you know about as much of these as i do so uh is there anyone you want to talk about first um i well so one of the things i thought was really fun and so i'm going to throw a couple little travel things in yeah. is the kelpies are our horses right over yes. in scotland now the kelpies are supposed to be fey horses Yes. And they have like at the Scotland Air near Scotland Airport, they have this huge, beautiful statue of these two horse heads coming out of the water together. And I, I think I got you a picture um, when I was in Scotland of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe it's a magnet. I don't know. I get excited about these things, but um, got the picture. But what's really interesting is a lot of um, Scottish, Irish, even um, England have a lot of fey relations and fey things talking right. about that so i know that they are supposed to be fey the problem is they're not supposed to be very nice fey of course right so right they intend to take you and drag you into the water and drown you you know very much like most aquatic life forms that we found the entire purpose of them is to go hey hi yeah i can help you i can i'm gonna drown you like <laughs> There's some like mandate from the Waka gods that are like, you know, uh, Poseidon's like, everybody down here, here's the goal. Right. If you find something, I'm going to need you to fucking drown it. That's drown. what I need you to <laughs> Bring do. Bring it into the ground <laughs> and drown, drown it. Drown it. Nobody yeah. gets to be in the ocean. Drown the motherfucker. <laughs> now, the, the big thing about Kelpies is that, you know, they're, they're big and uh, they're always black horses, right? They're not supposed to be any other color than black, but always in artistry they always make it seaweedy and green but they're supposed to be black but on dry land they're supposed to even be able to take human form right yes 
that's yeah. one of the things because that's how they lure you into the water is they'll turn into a pretty lady and and lure lure me in uh you know or turn into a pretty boy and lure you in erica so well or they could turn into a pretty lady i'm just saying i can yeah. appreciate beauty across the genders my and, friend and all and, i gotta say is look there's a ufo in the lake and then i'll go drown and that'll be yeah it. no they're they're literally <laughs> sometimes like there's something we don't know what it is mark but we'd like you to name it in the lake and you'd be like oh, yeah what is right that there, yeah and then they go and, in the and here's some Popeye's chicken on the way, and then you know that's it. <laughs> You're done. I've sealed the deal. Done. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. With me, one they'd my, be like, here's some lemon drops. What? The, although there is one, the the River Spay, which I want to say is in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, that one has a white kelpie, and that because of the foam on the water, and they they wound up using that for uh, inspiration for Last Unicorn. Uh, oh, that, I love stuff. I oh. love that movie, and that movie is so sad at the same time. Mm -hmm. And again, it was supposed to have a a beautiful singing voice. You um, know what I, I kind of wonder about that is that if you if you listen to the sounds of the ocean, is one of the most calming set of sounds for anybody. Like the sound of waves moving, ocean, water, blah. That is sort of a siren. I will fall asleep in a heartbeat to rain. If it's raining outside, I want a nap. I agree with that. I can I can see that. Yeah, we we just mentioned last unicorn, so we'll go into unicorns a little bit here. Um, because hey, unicorns. So they have all kinds of history with them, right? Can you think of one more famous than you know the unicorn, right? It's it's even the symbol of a couple countries. They have it on their flags. So is that mythological? I mean, most of the other countries have real things on their things, but a few have dragons and a few have unicorns. It's true, but there was also a time when people said, I mean, it's very interesting, the whole unicorn thing and what does it look like? Do you remember when we were kids, Mark, our favorite newspaper in the world, the Weekly World News? Weekly um, World News, yes. Yes, had pictures of a unicorn. Yeah. Do you remember yep. that? Yep. Like they were blurry, but they were one of the few times that. And it was it in West Virginia. Yeah, that <laughs> didn't look staged. But I know that um, in royalty, used to want unicorn horns. And people, great hunters, could produce quote unquote unicorn oh, yeah. horns. And they would, which, and it would sometimes be rhinos, sometimes narwhals, sometimes whatever. But maybe it was unicorns. I mean, it goes back, you know, Mesopotamia had pictures of unicorns in, in their art and, you know, India and China. So these things were all over the place. Yeah, they all had the white body. And uh, but there were some, I, I remember what, there's one in India that has a, a purple head, which I thought was cool, uh, that really made it stand out. And uh, it was also the one where if you cut off its horn and drank from the horn, it would cure epilepsy, so I, that maybe that's the problem. You need we, you we need unicorn them. horn. I need well, unicorn it, horn, and we we hunted them to extinction. So, well, uh, the one thing that I saw when I was in Scotland, no Ireland, that I thought was interesting is what they was it okay whichever country go to both countries travelers they're amazing beautiful and there's yeah. a lot of very good beer and whiskey so this is why I may not know where I was at the time it's fine. Um, but one of the things I thought was interesting is what they believe 
the unicorn horns were that were being hunted were narwhals. So many of the boats use unicorns at the front of their boats. So again, that's why the narwhal theory comes around. If we go from unicorns... Where are we going from unicorns? We have to go to Pegasus. We do. I think there should be a unicorn Pegasus and so did Lisa Frank when I was a kid. Very much agreed with me <laughs> that there should be a unicorn Pegasus. Now, Pegasi. speaking of Poseidon, he's the one who's, you know, who sired Pegasus, according to legend. Which is so weird because it's a flying horse. It's a flying horse, right? Yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, if you watch the uh, Clash of the Titans, the original, Pegasus was given to Perseus, or Perseus had to catch it. But uh, it was actually Bellifron who used Pegasus to defeat another potential mythical horse, if you want to call the Chimera a horse, because part of it was horse in some legends. But the, because he was so amazing, he got transformed by Zeus into a constellation. So that's pretty epic, right? That, that's so, true. I would yeah, like uh, to be, when I'm done, transformed into a constellation. So every time a traveler goes out and views the night sky, they'll look up and go, is that Erica? Is that the whiskey bottle of Erica up there? <laughs> My goodness, there's just so many... Uh, Pegasi through you know Dungeons and Dragons and all the other you know fictional Pegasi that that becomes the great thing to you know to travel via flying horse. I one of my favorite movies, Crawl, didn't quite go Pegasi, but they did the fire mares, which were that's the true flying Clydesdales. So I have uh, to say that is one of my favorite underrated movies. Oh ever. yeah, by far, by far. Crawl and uh, Hawk the Slayer, man. Yeah, you, you, you have to be in a right frame of mind for both of them. But they are amazing 80s cheese. Um, yeah, we'll include links made with in a budget, this show. One's made without a budget, and they're still great. <laughs> yes. We'll include links in the show notes so you guys yeah. can watch these epic movies. Yeah. So what was it? It was, uh, so Pegasus was Medusa's son, right? With yes. So that's how that happens. So you gotta love Greek mythology family trees because suddenly these monsters are from gods and beautiful women and then suddenly they turn into monsters and then we have to turn the mother into a monster mythology's a bastard but yeah. it's very interesting because i think that um now unicorns themselves and pegasus are so beloved like it's very interesting what travels through history to me yeah. real or not real you know and there was so much going on with Greek mythology and things like that and the stories that it's interesting to go what was made up and what yeah. was based on truth. Truth, right. And that's, you know, that's what we always try to do. We, you know, here at your Travels, we try to get to the history behind the truth. I love that there's so many different pantheons of the gods and goddesses that have flying steeds, right? And these were even mm -hmm. from some legend legendary lands that didn't like to ride horses but their gods did and um i cannot pronounce this one i'm sorry folks from the hindu uh religion one of my favorites it's uh, i'm gonna spell it because i'm even gonna attempt to pronounce this u-c-h-c-h-a-i-h-s-h-r-a-v-a-s 
Yeah, I wouldn't attempt that either. I would butcher yeah, it yeah. horribly. Uh, and I'm sure someone's going to say it. And I'm going to be like, oh, okay. I should have just listened to it a little more. But anyway, he is the king of horses. And a white steed with seven heads and the ability to fly. And he was created during the creation of the ocean, the milk of the ocean. He was, again, created from the foam and rose from the waves. And he was claimed by uh, the god Indra as his mount. And some say he was actually created by the god Brahma, killing the god Bali, the king of demons. And that's how they claimed him. Um, other people had a bet about the color of his tail to other gods, uh, the two sisters, Ventra and Kadru. And um, one was sure it was white and one was sure it was black. Kadru cheated by telling the serpents to cover the horse's tail so it appeared black. Anyway, the cheater won. And so Ventra had to become her sister's servant in payment. I love this just amazing idea of a bunch of serpents hanging off a seven-headed horse just to hide the color of its tail. For a bet. I just want to throw out what that must be like. To, I mean, how big must this horse be to have seven heads? Yeah. Right. This horse would have to be huge. And then do the heads independently do anything? Like, you know, because a chimera, it's... you'd have to carry around an awful lot of feed bags. Like travel with this particular horse would be kind of ridiculous because I'm assuming not i mean maybe some of the heads don't want to eat but i would assume most of them do and then like by the time you got the last one on the first one would be it's this i'm just gonna throw this out there seeing the horse it would be magnificent and terrifying and mythical but it's a lot of work like animals with fiery hooves for instance right like you go you know, this is cool, but where where do you keep them? You can't keep them in a standard bar and they burn it down every single time. And then we have another god who rides a horse, and that's that's our boy Odin. Oh. Doesn't have seven heads, but has eight legs and is the fastest horse ever. And that is, uh, oh, was it Slipanir? I hope I pronounced that right. Again, my Nordic is not the best. And he was the offspring of Loki. And Loki's... Wow. Because Loki, you know, liked to do a lot of things. Yeah, he did. Great horse, and supposedly the greatest horse ever owned by gods or men. He was well. If you're the owner of the horse, you have to say that. Like, even he actually carries one of Odin's sons, um, Hermor, into hell to get Baldur out, and hell's and and it's able to leap over hell's gates. That's how high this thing can jump. But with eight legs, you know, I guess that's... Okay, I just want to point out the the shoeing this particular horse situation. So I'm going to be Debbie Downer and that, Mm. like, I hear this and I'm like, that sounds amazing. And then I think to myself, like, I watched hoof trimming. Shout out to Hoof GP. I watch hoof trimming of cows and I've also watched hoof trimming of horses and reshoeing of horses. This takes a lot of time. This is a really big horse, and it's got eight feet you need to reshoe. I just, I don't think this is well thought out. I, I wouldn't look at that horse and go, I'm going to have that horse, because unless I have somebody who's going to follow me around and valet and do the shoes and clean the hooves and all that stuff, this is way too much work. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I can see that, because some of these are, you know, pretty horseshoes. Oh my gosh, that's a whole other thing. I like... um. The mares of Diomedes, 
these were these were four fearsome horsemen. Does it sound some familiar four four horsemen? Yes, um, and, um, the apocalypse. No, yeah, Diomedes was basically the king of Thrace, so they're also sometimes called the mayors of Thrace. And these were giant horses, and they were tethered to a bronze manger, and they were captured from Di uh, Diomedes by Hercules. And the reason he had to capture them was because these horses were man-eaters. So they oh. dined on human flesh. And Diomedes had to keep their mouths closed. And then you know, Hercules has to rescue them from this guy. And he winds up, you know, Hercules feeds Diomedes to the horses. So None of this is a good situation. None of it. But the, the big thing about them was shooing them was was an impossible task that was never one of those things hercules did and the nice thing is is the the he takes them to king eurystes and there's a happy ending in most versions of it where they get to live happily roaming around argos so and oh. they human flesh because they lost the taste for it now that's a good story i guess seems yeah. abrupt but yeah since there's story, a horse <laughs> We're going to skip ahead to the 12th century. There's a horse, one of my favorites, talk about shoeing would be easier, is named Bayard. B-A-Y-A-R-D, okay. uh, and he's from France. And he had a bay coat. But the big thing about him was he was allowed to change his size based on his rider. Oh, so that's good. Big or small. And he could also carry like this one, uh, the guy and his brothers, his three brothers at the same time. Could understand human speech. Uh, and he wound up having to, uh, the, um, oh, is it Renaud de Montaban was the owner. And he had to give the Bayard up to his nemesis, Emperor Charlemagne. Oh. Stone to be tied around Bayard's neck and drown him in a river. That's. Yeah, you know, the end of that. But I don't like the end of that story at all. Well, no, this is the key. Bayard grew so big when the rock was tied around him that he smashed the stone with his hooves and escaped Good. and lives in the woods to this day, supposedly. Oh, where does he live? In France. So oh, uh look at this European trips that we're giving to our travelers. You can go Oh, I know, my goodness. Yeah, so you gotta look for you know a shape-changing horse. There's Breton's had uh, Morvok, which was uh, do do you know about Morvok? I don't, but okay. this is the last one, and then we have to do a break. Who's Morvok? Okay, and then we'll come back with some wonderful, uh, legendary named horses after this. But Morvok was one; he had special powers in Breton, and he was a uh, you know supernatural heritage. He was supposedly the the offspring of a siren. And um, uh, another elemental sea creature, I can't remember, I think the Unidine or something like that. But anyway, he's another seahorse with, uh, you know, but he saved a king and a princess by swimming through these giant waves. And there are pictures of him, but there's a 15th century statue of him in the town of Quimper. But sadly, it was destroyed during the French Revolution. But there is a replacement there now that was molded based on some of the surviving pieces of it. But because this horse saved the prince and a queen, they had to destroy it during the French Revolution. So, Well, you know, there is absolutely no logic to that. So failure on the part of people. War is dumb. Let's put it that way. 
So I think on that note, let's take a quick break and let's hear from our sponsors. Destiny Beard, the lyrical soprano who will haunt your dreams. With her alluring melodies and intricate harmonies, this dark siren of wistful song shall capture your soul and lead you into the night. Check out Destiny's new single, The Haunting Is Over, with international musicians Sam Haynes and Gary Bennett, as well as her other musical works at destinybeard.com. Greetings, travelers. Now available on Audible and other audiobook platforms, Eerie Appalachia. Join us, won't you, as we discuss creatures like the Popelik Monster, the White Thangs, the Snallygaster, the Wampus Cat, the Lizard Man of Skateboard Swamp, Bunny Man Bridge, and the Ohio Grassman. All these creatures and more await you if you dare listen to Eerie Appalachia. Presented by Mark Muncy, History Press, and Four Horsemen Publishing. We're back. We're back. We're back to Moses. I just want to point out, I think you left a key one off before you go into your other list, which is, did the Seahorse Aquaman Road have a name? Because... That was a very large seahorse, and to encompass carrying Aquaman, it was supposedly stronger than Superman due to the weight of the ocean, him being able to operate in it. There's lots of, if you go down a comic book superhighway. I I do not recall uh, if he had a name. I would say probably just, you know, like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, he would definitely be one of them. The seahorse (laughs) of the apocalypse? Yeah. (laughs) We need to start making the seahorse of the apocalypse. Heck yeah. His name is Fred. Oh, <laughs> our, our producer pulled up the clackety clack and its name is Storm. Storm. Oh, this Aquaman's is exciting. horse's name Storm. So that's nice. There are so many throughout religions that there are so many. There's the Al-Barak, which is the Islamic. That one's, you know, able to transport prophets which basically is the name lightning. Oh, uh, It was in the Quran. It carried Muhammad accompanied by the angel uh, uh, Gabriel from Mecca to Jerusalem and then up into heaven to talk to Allah. So, you know, can't go wrong with that. Uh, but he had a human face. So that almost There's a horse with the, that's our, creepy. It almost been to the centaur territory. There's uh, from the Buddhist beliefs. There's the Kantaka which was um, 18 cubits in length from the nape of his neck. And What's a cubit? Uh, no one really knows. So that's the problem. We we always talk about 40 cubits by 40 cubits. We don't know how big that is. We uh, kind of think we know, uh, but they're pretty good size. So this thing would have been huge. And this one's in the Siddhartha. And uh, Buddha used it to escape from his family's palace. And it was reborn as a scholar who would later go on to achieve enlightenment. So it, it had many lives. Wow. As, okay. There's the Tolper from Turkish uh, history. 
one of the heroes from uh, Turkish folklore, uh, Osas Ul, uh, was another name I just butchered, I'm sure. But he used the the remains of his horse because he loved it so much and it used to sing. He used it to make the very first fiddle. The musical instrument, the fiddle? Yes, yes. He used the remains of his horse to make a fiddle. Wow. That um, um that requires a lot of effort. Yeah. I mean, and he's basically a horse use. combined with a bird of prey, which, you know, Mongolia, that's what we used for hunting both those things. So that's where I think this was the thing that combined them both. So, and, what, yeah, of course, we've got the a, Chinese a horse, Kiren, uh, also the Chiloma, which were, you know, kind of East Asian. They're basically a thousand little horses. Wow. That is a lot. Again, a lot of feeding, they a lot of chewing. They can 400 miles in a day. So again, we're back to the fire mares from Kroll. But I want to talk about a couple named horses, right? Okay. Two of my favorites. This I hope one of them is Mr. Ed. Well, he's a great, he's a great horse, but you know, he's not mythical. Mr. Ed. He's on television, he, so he's real. He talked. He was a celebrity. Yeah. yeah. He's not mythical. He's real. Yeah, there are listeners that are younger going, Who the fuck is Mr. Ed? Yeah, all I'm saying, Nick at night, my friends, we'll throw a link in the show notes. So, one of the Bucephalus, which was this horse of Alexander the Great, and then would later become the horse of Baron Munchausen, supposedly. (laughs) So, that's how long this horse lived. This horse was uh, supposedly a descendant of one of the mares of Thrace. And that's why he was so badass in battle and stuff like that. Um, I would say another fun one is Gringolette, who was probably the only horse from Arthurian legend that I think the name survived. And that was the Mount of Sir Gawain. Oh. It was a white coat with distinctive red ears. Why did it have red ears? No one knows, really. It's just part of the legend. But he was a great war horse, and he was killed in battle, but the bad guys didn't have much chance to uh, cherish their victory because Sir Gawain was so filled with fury at the death of his beloved horse that his strength was multiplied by his anger, and he ran riot against the enemy until night fell. I love that line. In uh, La Morta Arthur, that just was like, yeah, if you kill my horse, I'm going to kick your ass. So It sounds uh, very much like what the Witcher would do. Yeah, pretty I'm... much. You know, but that's why he calls them all, uh, what does he call them all, Roach? Yes. All right. So then, of course, one of my favorites of all time. Do we all remember Pecos Bill? Wait, wait. I need to, I just want to bring up a one part of this we can go to pecos bill but one thing i want to be in charge of giving legend things because i want to as i'm telling them like a bard i want to then say and this noble steed had one thing beyond reproach it's crimson ears I wouldn't have said red. I would have said crimson. Crimson, That's the way yeah, I that would have told that. That would have, that would have been good for a bard. You know, yeah, or yeah, you need very to. You need to bard, yes, very Chaucer. One of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go to your other horse. So, so a Western bard. Yeah. Western bards would talk about Pecos Bill, and we all we talk about the tall tales 
of Pecos Bill. And only one man could ride this horse, and that was Pecos Bill. And also known as Lightning, which seems to be a recurring theme of horses. Yep. They all seem yep. to be called Lightning. Uh, but this one had another name, and his name was Widowmaker. Ooh. Oh, yeah. And supposedly, his favorite food was dynamite. What? So, dynamite. Wow. He's TNT. He's dynamite. Okay. That's how badass this horse was. Well, the horse is definitely taking the cake so far, but can it fly? There's yeah, a couple uh, things no, I'm going to need to up its leveling. It had He had to learn how to ride it before he could ride a twister. Oh, of course. He had to use you it know. before he could tame the twister. And now, for our listeners who are listening overseas and going, twister? That is what a slick... Yeah, that's a slang term from a tornado in the yeah Midwest and stuff. So, right, okay, so we have one more. Going to go back to to Greek. This is from the Iliad, and the horse of uh, Adrastus was this amazingly swift horse, thick, lustrous mane of black hair, and his name is Arion, A R I O N, and a divine creature. And can you imagine how this one was born? His mother was the god goddess Demeter. And she turned herself into a horse to escape the affections of our good boy Poseidon again. And so she took refuge among other horses and pretended to blend in. But guess what Poseidon did? He turned himself into a horse and mated with her. So and, the, and their son was Arian. And this was the horse that Hercules rode. So the from. son of Zeus rode the son of Poseidon? Yes. And uh, Arian saved Adrastus' life at Thebes, carried him away from his enemies after the battle was lost. He's He's got a long history, this horse. Now, there is a couple real horses I want to mention before I get into uh, our ghost story for this one because i'm yes. gonna talk about ghost horse. i just i do want to throw this out when we're talking yeah. about mythology okay yeah. poseidon was a whore oh yeah there oh yeah and I'm, now we can move on okay now we can move on i we've we've got the trojan horse right oh yeah. which you know that is isn't that a true story technically we, we still don't know the trojan war is one of those we thought it was fake now we think it's real and then we thought it was fake and now we think it's real it's one of those that kind of it's that's why history is not set in stone gang despite what they say they didn't have is smartphones it, back then so there's yeah, no yeah, documenting whether or not could you imagine a trojan horse now the amount of smartphone footage that you'd get oh my gosh yeah it would be everybody would be like look at this great gift oh crud there's people inside and they're killing us yeah yeah it's 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 wow. happened you know uh I mean, there's, I, I'm, we're missing a lot of mythological horses. We're, we're skipping all the ones that drive the sun. Apollo has a couple horses, and uh, uh, Ascalavar from North mythology has a horse. Uh, uh, or that is the horse, uh, Eslavar. Yeah, that's the one that drives. I like that at least the Nordic myth, they knew that the sun was hot, so they had to put bellows on the chariot that the sun was to cool the horse's hooves as they run across the sky. <laughs> So there's, a, at least there's they thought some that science, part. some science with that. Yeah, they actually thought ahead. 
but the driver of the chariot's name was Saul. So hey, <laughs> better call Saul. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and there's others. There's a bunch of Scottish horses that I'm I'm skipping over their legends and stuff. I apologize, but this is too big of a topic for one thing. And of course, our four horsemen. We you yes. know, death, famine, pestilence, and um and that other one. War. That we already talked about <laughs> earlier in our breaking news. But then we have uh, the other four other horsemen from uh, Good Omens. My favorite is Treading and Dog Turds. What? Yes, they're the four other horsemen. They're the horsemen. They knew all the good stuff was taken. So these four bikers in the book decide to ride with the four horsemen. They're going to be the four other horsemen. And they have to think of bad things. And one of them becomes all foreigners, especially the French. And then my, my other favorite is uh, Treading and Dog Turds. And then uh, then another good one is Grievous Bodily Harm. <laughs> thank you uh terry wow. Pratchett and neil gaiman for some of those amazing things uh but now gang i have to talk about a ghost that uh now when we were at megacon i yes. had the wonderful team of phantasmagoria tell this tale for the first time at dramatically this is actually from the book uh, freaky florida so I researched this one pretty good. And we've got to kind of do a little way back machine here. You ready again? We've been all over in the machine this trip, but we're going to go to 1891. Okay. All right. And we're going to Ocala, Florida, where you're down in Florida. Yes. Um, and Val lives close to Ocala, Florida. Lives very close. Our good friend Val, uh, uh, but uh, who was just at Pensacon with us. But uh, Beatrice Moran. She wrote a book called The Tragedies of Oakhurst, and it was about a fictional town of Magnolia Center. And the author in the preface says, this is based largely on fact, and the majority of the characters are from real life, but the bright threads of romance are threaded in into a somber warp of truth. And it became a hit, but... It becomes a scandal in Ocala because locals in the city recognize themselves in the pages. And they yeah. realize Magnolia Center is actually Ocala. So the legend is that her and her husband were forced from the town, right? The author. Beatrice Moran was a pseudonym. The author was actually Dr. Renee Snowden. And her husband was a... Uh, an Ocala druggist and was pretty famous and a chemist. And she released it in 1890 under that pseudonym to keep it from interfering with her work at the chemistry lab that she worked at. Now, the reason real move wasn't that she was forced out of town on a rail, but the fact was that she and her husband discovered phosphate in Donellan and they decided that we're going to invest heavily in that. So we're going to move to Donellan. But the legend she writes about in this book is a place that was a real place in Ocala, and she writes about called the Oakhurst Plantation. Okay. Now, the according to the stories of the place, the owner and the wife go riding one day, and the and uh, the wife falls from a horse when a strange white mare bolts in front of them, oh. and she dies instantly from the fall. And the horse vanishes. Now the husband what? returns to the home. He's so distraught. His lovely young bride has died. So he commits suicide. Like right after that. 
So this is not a good story. I don't know. This is not a happy story, but there's romance, right? So the, the, the book goes on for generations and generations, but every time something terrible happens, this white horse races up to the front of the plantation and snorts loudly. And whenever anyone come to gather the horse, it just vanishes, right? When they would come to oh, get wow. it or come to see it. So then this book goes through that. But what happens is it actually is happening in Ocala. Whenever some dark tragedy is about to befall the town, people see this horse. And wow. this becomes famous because the day before Ocala burns to the ground in 1883, the horse was seen, which is why she wrote about it in the book in the 1890s. Wow. In the book, a bride is shot while riding her horse, dying in her husband's arms. Then he shoots himself. Years pass, the doctor arrives, buys the house, and then the moneylender seizes the property, but is killed, and the doctor must prove his innocence that he didn't murder the guy. That's the premise of the book. And uh, the horse keeps returning again and again after tragedy and tragedy. Um, it's pretty big book. It even includes a famous train train wreck heralded by an appearance of the horse. And oh, the end wow. of the book, though, the murderer is revealed and life returns to normal at the manor. Now, the Oakhurst Plantation was there till the early 1980s. It was there for a long time, over 110 years. Uh, the last remains of the frame were removed and the city sold the land. And there are now two things there at the corner of Lakemore Avenue, where uh, Oakhurst Plantation once stood. And one is a nursing home called Oakhurst Manor and an apartment complex right there. Oh, the but I feel horse, like there's a but. Yeah, the big white horse is still seen sometimes by residents of the apartment complex. And the nursing oh, home wow. staff also comments on it occasionally. And one nurse, when, when we interviewed her back in the day, you know, under anonymity, which many nurses like to stay anonymous when they talk about the fun stuff. She said they know when someone in the home is not going to make it through the night when they hear the hoof beats outside. Oh, wow. Now, the book itself was bought up by the families of Ocala. They tried to get every copy and have it destroyed. So it is quite valuable on the market for book collectors if you can find a copy. Thankfully, there's one in the Florida Memory Project which you can uh, download for free and read if you'd like. That's how I read it because I couldn't afford the $500 copy that was beat to hell uh, that came up for auction. Oh my gosh. There's $5,000 copies available. That's insane. It's crazy. Now the beautiful thing about the Snowden family, they, they actually did go on to Donellan and their phosphate mine became so big. That's why Donellan exists. Uh, because they made so much money from their phosphate mine. And what was cool about that was they were friends with this guy named Jules Verne. And, oh, him? Who's yeah. that? Weird. And um, he wrote a book, From the Earth to the Moon, where they launched spaceships from the coast of Florida because of the phosphate mine that 
his friends owned in Dunellen because the phosphate would make the big rockets go up easier. So not too far wow. off of what happened historically, but the wrong coast. But it's still oh pretty epic. Gosh. This is very epic. And it's so, I love Ghost Horse. I love that he still comes around. Yep, the white mare of Ocala, also known as the Oakhurst creature or the Oakhurst horse. And what is Ocala known for? Horses. Horses. It's like the biggest horses. horse towns in the world. And you can go to the World Equestrian Center there where they used to host Spookala. But after they hosted the big Halloween event that was Spookala, the owners of Oakhurst had the church come and bless the land afterwards because they were so, they were convinced there was badness going on. Oh, Spookala is now in Tampa, thanks to that. <laughs> well, and that makes sense. Shout out to our friend Beach there. Yes. Spookala. And um, wow, Mark, I feel like we did go on a fascinating journey from the shameless self-promotion. What book is that story in again? That is in Freaky, Florida, available to find bookstores everywhere. And uh, Cracker and, Barrels. And Cracker Barrels all across the state. And Walgreens and CVSs all across the Sunshine State. Now, one final note, I do have to talk about one horse from the Roman Empire who I feel doesn't get enough history, and that okay. is the noble Senator Incatatus, and that's what? because what? he won Incitatus? the Circus, Circus Maximus, well, you have the big horse race that we all know from Ben-Hur and many other Roman epics. Uh, this horse was so fast, he was basically the secretariat of his day. He was the he won all the things, and the Emperor Caligula was so proud of him, he made him a senator. And not only did he make him a senator, he made him the best man at his lovely uncle Claudius's wedding. Wow. So, <laughs> and, and the quote was, his whole life's opened up since I made him a senator. It was wow. a joke because he hated the Senate. And so he put a noble senator's cloak on this horse because he was more of a a statesman than most of the senators. That was his premise. Politics yeah. hasn't changed at all, baby. Not at all. Not at all. Wow. Well, we have many places our travelers can travel. We have many things our travelers can read about. We'll include yes. a bunch of links. And travelers, we want to know who are your favorite horses from history? real or imagined we would love to have your feedback and if you've had any ghost stories with horses or alien horses or things like that we absolutely want to hear about it so please don't forget to send us a message via any of the social media on our discord or in our website at eerietravels.com and with that mark take us away all right well uh, again Thank you all for listening to this fun stuff. You can also, if you could, go to paranormalitymagazine.com and vote for us for the top 10 paranormal podcasts each month. You can vote twice a month. We appreciate that. And uh, we like being on that list. And if you go there and you decide to get one of those wonderful magazines from them or any of their merch, just use the code TRAVELS, get 10% off. Let's know that we sent you there. Now, we've got a bunch of events coming up. You can follow us at eerietravels.com. We're going to be at Frogman Fest, or we just finished that, and then we're going to be at the uh, Georgia Bigfoot Conference uh, yes. in Dillard, yes. Georgia. Uh, we've got um, other events coming soon, so 
keep an eye on it. And then uh, on the Patreon, as you said, we've been doing the book club. We've been doing some other fun stuff. So we appreciate every Patreon. Thank you so much, all of you that are you know helping us uh, keep going. But with that, gang, I'm just going to say uh, that, you know, make sure you leave some uh, oats and hay out or whatever mythological horse may be, you know, roaming your property. Uh, definitely don't try to get away from Poseidon. Just, uh, you know, find other ways to take care of business when, when he shows up. So, uh, oh my gosh, I don't know where that was going. I was worried about it. So I should have stopped that, but I didn't because we're worried about him and I, I don't want to mess with Poseidon. That's why I don't go in the ocean because we don't need him. I don't need, I don't need that in my life. So <laughs> anyway, if you want to vote for your favorite horse for senator, please do that in the upcoming election. I shall say the nay, and we'll see you on the other side.